0: Joining us for this podcast series from Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. We'll be taking a close look at the issues that impact on the cases the barristers deal with in court. If you're a barrister at another chambers or if you're thinking about becoming a barrister, you'll be interested in our special podcast about the working lives of the barristers at Citadel Chambers. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a range of experts from Citadel, from Queen's Council through to their junior barristers. They can all be contacted via the Citadel website, citadelchambers.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Rebecca Harding and I'm a journalist. And having had personal experience with autism within my family, I wanted to find out more about how the court system deals with those who are autistic. Often autism isn't even diagnosed until something goes wrong in their lives and then they find themselves in court. So today I'm here with Ilana Davies of Citadel Chambers in Birmingham. Ilana is the barrister and works for both defence and prosecution in the Crown Court, Youth Court and the Magistrates Court. She's appeared on behalf of the National Probation Service, West Midlands Police and the Home Office. Ilana has experience of cases involving everything from violence, drugs and sexual offences to motoring offences. And she's also worked with autistic people as a barrister. So, Ilana, hello and how are you? Hi, Becca. I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So tell me about the cases that you've dealt with that have involved autistic people.
2: Um, So there's two that come to mind. Uh, The first was, um, they're both defence cases uh, one was a case where I had to cross-examine an autistic 17-year-old girl. Um, so when you have uh, a witness who's an autist- on the mm-hmm. autistic spectrum, uh, they often have the benefit of an intermediary, somebody to help them communicate when they're giving their evidence. And um, sometimes you have to write your questions in advance, so you have to, um, they'll be checked by the judge, they'll be checked by this intermediary. Um, but there was another case that I did um, a bit more recently, I was representing uh, a young man for sentence and um, there were some things that in the papers that weren't painting him in a very good light he was coming across as rude he was coming across as someone who ch- wanted to change his story all the time um, but after spending two hours with him I spotted that there might be some signs here of someone who's on the autistic spectrum so we were able to
1: get a psychological report for him and he was diagnosed with Asperger syndrome. So, what made you realise that he was autistic? What What was it that you were seeing, sort of generally? It was his explanations for um, the behaviour that was
2: spotted. His probation officer had described him as rude because he put the phone down on her. But when I asked him what, why he'd put the phone down on this um, this lady, he explained that she'd said goodbye to him at least three times, so he took that to mean that he could hang up now. Oh. Um, and there was his. I asked him why his story kept changing. And he said that um, the police officers suggested to him that it was, um, he might have done something for one reason. The probation officer suggested a different reason. And because they were professionals, he just went along with it. So it seems that he was impressionable in some way, um, especially when speaking to professionals. So it um, needed further investigation, I thought.
1: So, do you think there's a lot of cases of people like that young man ending up in the criminal court because he's not been diagnosed earlier on in his life, or their lives? Um, I think it is quite rare, actually. Um, in this, um, our systems
2: at the moment, children seem to be more likely than they were previously to be diagnosed with conditions like autism. And this was quite a. This was a very subtle. It, example because he his communication was excellent and you were able to have a proper conversation with him it was only at those hints that you could see that there might be something else there that could help to give context to his behavior especially when it was the impression given was that he was somebody who was rude when it wasn't the case at all Um, but there are those people that can slip through the gaps and the diagnosis can help with sentence because if you can give the context to why somebody behaves in a particular way, then it helps to um, explain their behaviour. It helps the judge to sentence them more appropriately in a way that's going to help them. Um, But it also helps them to engage with the process a lot better because if somebody's got additional needs that might not be met um, because they have a diagnosis of autism, then
1: they may find it more difficult to go through the criminal justice system. So explain the different aspects of what they're going to come into contact with going through the criminal justice system that would be very difficult for an autistic person.
2: I think communication is one of the um, areas that somebody may find, diff- um, may find difficult. When a client comes into the criminal justice system, they're often faced with a lot of professionals that they have to engage with. And those professionals don't often, um, they-, they may be, Used to speaking in a particular way. And it's really important that people like the barristers, the lawyers, the probation officers, the court staff, the judges can all communicate with the individuals in the system, the witnesses and the defendants in a way that they can understand because there's no point in them going through a court hearing and they can't understand what's going on. I think that's true for a lot
1: of us, actually. it's It's quite a complex area, really, when you're not used to the terminology. So, so do you think that their autism and that sort of and the pres- their presentation can sometimes cause them to get um, a worse outcome than perhaps um, they should have? Do you think in the thought system?
2: In the case that I mentioned about the the mm-hmm. undiagnosed young man with Asperger's, uh, without that diagnosis, he would have had a worse inc- outcome. He is quite an exceptional case there I've not seen any other cases like that as most clients come to you with a diagnosis or are able to readily tell you what their additional needs are but in this case the um, impression left with the judge was that he was somebody who wouldn't engage on a community based order and what we really needed to do was avoid custody for him because he wouldn't have thrived in custody at all but getting that psychological report And the diagnosis meant that the judge could better understand his life and how he perceives things and gave him the opportunity of that
1: community based disposal. Yeah, no, that's good. So you you mentioned um, earlier on when we were chatting about the support that's available um, within the system. What, What support specifically is there for people with autism?
2: It's always tailored to the individual and their needs. Um, but it often starts with an intermediary's report. So an intermediary is a, another professional, but they are a, a psychologist or a speech and language therapist, somebody who's a specialist when it comes to helping somebody to communicate. And that, getting a report like that for an intermediary is really helpful because it identifies what support is needed for that individual person. They'll have a, um, an appointment with the the defendant or the witness, and they'll talk to them about what their needs are and how the court can accommodate them. But even before that report can be obtained, um, at the police station, uh, the police officers are aware that some people may have additional needs. So um, in some circumstances, clients might be eligible for an appropriate adult, somebody to help them understand the interview process. And then even if an intermediary is not needed, you can still um, ask the court to take into account um, a new sentencing council guideline at Sentence. Um, it's called the Sentencing Offenders with Mental Disorders, Developmental Disorders and Neurological Impairments. Um, yeah,
1: say that it, fast on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: in, in short, it gives the judges some guidelines on how to take into account um, somebody's mental health conditions like depression or anxiety yeah. or ADHD or autism when they're sentencing someone to make sure that they're being treated
1: fairly. So in terms of the special skills you need to be able to deal with those individuals as a barrister, what, what do you think, how do you think barristers have to be? Um, and what's the special skills? It sounds like you're a superhero though. You're watching special skills to go
2: with somebody who's autistic? It's a really vital skill for any barrister, um, especially when facing a judge or a jury to just be able to communicate in a way that you can be understood. But it's especially important when you've got a client who's got additional le- needs such as autism, um, there's an element of empathy that's required to see things from their perspective as best as you can but also um, flexibility to recognize when the way that you normally do things won't work in this situation and a new course is needed um, it's really important to just listen to the client ask open questions and get them to try their best to explain how um, what their needs are or what their instructions are rather than trying to put words into their mouth there was um, an unfortunate situation that I had um, in. Uh, I was in that first case I mentioned, where I was cross-examining yeah. that seventeen-year-old girl who had autism. The um, police officer had interviewed her originally to get her evidence across. This was a witness for the prosecution, and she, the officer, unfortunately, had led a question, which means um, suggested something to the seventeen-year-old girl. And she just acknowledged it by saying "mm-hmm," rather than saying yes or putting it into her own words. And because of that, the judge couldn't be sure that those were her own words in her evidence. It sounded like it had come from the police officer um, right. and, and that undermines
1: the prosecution's case. So how do you think things could be improved for people with autism in the thought process? Is, is there anything that you think could be done better or would add to the good things that were already being done? I really benefited
2: from extra training when I was a children's tutor. I worked for a company and um, they provided training for their tutors to recognise conditions in the children, such as um, dyslexia, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder um, and autism. And having a general knowledge of the, some symptoms of those conditions really helped me to provide the best service for that client who was an undiagnosed um, person with Asperger's. It's not necessary, but it, and it's not really to get the diagnosis, how it's important. It's more important to see um, if you can recognize that somebody might have an additional need, how you can respond to that. It's not about labeling somebody or making them out to be different than um, other people in the population. It's just about providing that extra service so that they can properly understand you and properly understand the situation they're in
1: so do you think do you think other barristers it should ha- well as, as a trainee barrister, you should have that um kind of course as part of your basic training um and you were lucky because you got it through working with the kids so you, you had that experience but lots of people don't have that opportunity so do you think it should be part of basic training
2: and there's a lot that needs to be learned as a Trainee barrister, um, and a lot of it we learn on the job um, from speaking to other people, learning from other barristers as they do their work, and then also doing it as part of the academics. Um, there's always an advantage, I think, to to going to a course to help you identify um, symptoms. But I'm really pleased to see that a lot of people now have family members that are suffering from a wide range of conditions, mm-hmm. not just autism. It almost feels sometimes that we have to be mini psychologists in order to give our clients the best outcomes. But I'm sure that's not the case because there's the resources out there that people can access help without going to see a barrister and stay that way. (laughs)
1: Well, thank you so much for your time that's been really interesting and i've actually learned quite a lot from what you told me today so um, it's good to hear there's so much in place so um so if you want people want to get in touch with you lana they can reach you through the citadel website or through linkedin is that right yeah so thanks very much for joining us and i
0: hope you found that really helpful thank you so much for joining us This podcast was brought to you by Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers in this podcast episode, then please visit our website, citadelchambers.com. All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please talk to us directly to obtain professional advice.